Hey guys, it's Walter, and welcome back to the Skullcast for episode 11. We finally have the whole crew back together again. We have Griffith and Azil. Say hey, hey guys. Hey, hey guys. Yeah, we took a couple weeks off. We wanted to make sure we could do this show on a regular basis. You know, schedules are sometimes difficult to get everyone here. But also, there's not a hell of a lot to talk about right now, to be quite honest. We can always go back and look at the series past and analyze it and reanalyze it over and over. But I'd better have a more, like, natural pace to it. And weekly is just – it becomes really intense to produce that over the course of a week. You know, two weeks makes a little more sense for the show. That's not to say that, you know, if something really cool happens, we might get on the mic real quick, but, you know, we'll see. But right now, there's no new episodes, so there's not a, a large, like, gun to our heads to produce these that regularly. But So, anyway, we're back this week, and we'll just open it up with what has been happening in the Berserk world. What's the Berserk news this week? <laughs> um, not much. There's still no word on a Berserk episode. A lot of us monitor the Japanese forums and the Young Animal site to see when the next episode will come. It looks like it won't, it will not hit this month. Well, it's pretty kind of obvious we're at the end of the month, but I don't think we've uh, had any, any information on the next on on May's stuff. But I, I, I tend to think I have a hunch it'll hit in May, if if not in like late May or something like that. Just a hunch. But I think I said the same thing about April, so who knows? <laughs> and um, Viz picked up the rights to Berserk. We touched on that at the last show, as I recall. Uh, there's a date for movie one, not a date. It's going to come in the fall. Still no word on theaters with the Berserk, with the Berserk movie. Blu-rays are hitting next month, so we'll be able to see it at that point. Um, and Dark Horse Volume 36 now has a date for September, which is a year after the Japanese release and also a year after their past release. So there's this weird thing where they're kind of artificially lagging behind the Japanese releases. And I tend to think that the reason they have those delays is so that they can catch up with the Japanese series if they need to. Uh, well, I don't really know, though. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm sure it doesn't take a year, a full year to translate a volume of Berserk. I can't imagine it takes more than a month. But be that as it may, uh, Dark Horse is 36. is slated for September, late in September. So, Do you guys, um, Azil, have you, do you have any Dark Horse volumes? Have you had them yet? Nope. Okay. No, yeah. Honestly, yeah, they just, you know, the quality is not uh not efficient for me to purchase them. How far is Ooh. the French are the French volumes? Do they are they uh, Yeah, they are caught up, you know, about the same. I don't know because it's like dark horse, you know, they don't uh they don't release it right as it come out. They want to, yeah. you know, space it or something. So I don't know if it's uh, 33, 34, 35, but uh it's uh Around that, I can I can check online right now if you want. Nah, it's, it's not that important. I was just curious. Um, and why? What do you think there's that delay though, guys? What? Why? Why a full year? Is it like an artificial delay they're creating, like uh, in case the series takes a long time to come out? Like uh, they have. Yeah, that- I, I think volume thirty-five is out. Yeah, thirty-five okay. is out in in France. Okay. I think so, part of it is it's just like low priority at this point, and also because they're not like it's not regular. They probably have to, if they use the same team, they probably have to sort of gear up again, you know. And you know, I don't. There's just no point in rushing because it's not like it's gonna because they don't know when the next one's gonna come out either, like yeah. the next Japanese volume. So it's like I feel like this at least keeps it regular, 
Right, right. You know, in their sense, like, they don't know how it's going to, you know, it's going to be a long time till the next volume. Like, there's no point in releasing this one as soon as possible. And then maybe it's, you know, two years before they release, you know, another one. Yeah, I think so. I think they want to stay as regular as possible. Because uh, if there is, like, a volume now and then another one in four months, then another one in six months, people are going to... You know, lose count and just you know stop buying them or you know forget or oh two of them came out such a thing. But if it's once a year, they'll know ah it's been one year, it's time, it's coming out again. So I think regularity is very important uh, for that kind of stuff, and uh, that's among other things why they want to stick to that kind of uh, schedule. Well, that that being said, talking about expectations, um, there's been some discussion on the Japanese forum, and it's all speculative at this point. But we're currently at 327. Uh, do you think they're going to get to the end of this volume? Do you think we'll have a volume 37 this year? Like a completed mm. volume set? Because they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven more episodes to do. Yeah. Six more <laughs> episodes to do before the end of the year. And then they have to bind them and spit out another volume by, you know, usually November or so in Japan, I think it is. Conservative uh, estimate, I'd say no. Usually it's September. And, September, uh, you're right, yeah. It, it, it can be uh, October or November, but yeah, I would I would, I would, would say no as well. I don't think, uh, I mean, it's possible, but I don't think so. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't expect any more than three episodes from now till the end of the summer, to be honest. That's generally how it goes. So. That's real four. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sad thing to to think about, but that's how it is. Yeah, we'll we'll go on to the main section um, this week. We're not focusing on any individual character or story arc or section. Uh, what I came up with this week was kind of forecasting uh, things that we think will happen before the end of the series. And so I asked each of us to come up with you know one or two you know events or scenarios or character interactions that we can foresee happening. And it doesn't even, the way I envision this, it doesn't even necessarily have to be like 100% like grounded. It can just be something, you, even maybe you think, you, you hope will happen. You, you hope an, something like this will happen. And so I don't want to step on anybody's toes because I have a couple of preformed ideas as well. So I wanted to open it up to you, Azil or Griff, to start it up and then I'll go into mine. So whoever wants to go first, just kind of throw out your ideas. Uh, Griff is, you know, be my guest. All right. Uh, <clears throat> well, I guess my my longest running one, and I've actually, uh, you know, drawn I've drawn uh, pictures of this, this even, is uh, you know sort of the idea of some sort of uh, redemptive like death for Griffith by the end, which you know, I think more than just you know sort of wishful thinking. Like I, I mean, I don't really care if it happens or not, but it's just something I have always sort of thought about, especially considering like how uh, how things end with the count and. Uh, Rosen, and uh, how do I pronounce that? I'm going with the Dark Horse translation there. Sure. And, uh, yeah, so I've just always thought, you know, that that would be something that would, you know, find its way to happening. It's something I've thought sort of less about since uh, the incarnation ceremony, because, like, I don't know, Griffith's character has been, you know, sort of interesting, but very, you know, very aloof, you know, to the audience. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, even to the people he's around, he hasn't really been, like, you know, I didn't expect him, you know, to be, like, the same, you know, same old guy. He's obviously, you know, like, Femto. But, uh, yeah, he hasn't been, you know, as engaged. You know, like, there's some episodes where he'll, like, enjoy Charlotte's, you know, sweet cakes, you know, and things like that. 
but well, that's few and far between, and you know, even that can be like sort of, you know, it seems it seems kind of phony, anyway. And Cal, yeah. you know, maybe it's just what you know about him, but it's like you know, like oh, he really loves those sweet cakes. You know? It's it's just it seems like a calculation, or it's just him, you know, playing human. Absolutely, you know, that's that's what I wanted to say. Was it? It, se- it seems like an alien playing a human role. Like he's he's doing, he's going through the right motions and has the right facial expressions to seem human. Whereas what he actually is is like far from human, you know. Well, that's what's, what's creepy about what's his interesting scenes. about it is that like his first, you know, his first appearance, you know, I'm not counting when he was first incarnated. When you, you know, when he first comes and talks to guts in volume uh, 22, is mm-hmm. he's very sort of engaged and emotional, and I mean, he's like reminiscing about the past, and he's very much like you know almost what you would imagine if Griffith just came back, you know, like he was sitting you know, factually though. Is that, that being? He no, was just saying he, he says it factually. He just says like, "Yep, that's what you always said." But he has no emotion on his face, you know. Yeah, well, he's, uh, no, he's smiling, you know. But I mean, you could you could t- see it as being sinister. But I it think. Seemed... Yeah, go ahead, As. No, I was just going to say, yeah. Even though I agree, he's the most human there that he's ever been. But I yeah. think I still get a feeling every time I see scenes that he's very he's. Facial expression is very cold. I mean, generally, he's it's not really cold, but blank, you know? Yeah. And yeah. When he, when he smiles, he's not, like, really smiling. Yeah. And, and there are many, I mean, many panels. He's just looking, you know, like, he's like he's not even interesting. When Guts and Zod are fighting, you see him, he's just, he's not even really looking. That being said, yeah. it's also one of the only scenes uh, after his uh, incarnation where you can see his own thoughts, you know? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, Man, it's been a it's been too long since we got a glimpse inside his head to be honest. Wow. Yeah, and I also just thought it was interesting his statement in that scene where he says like, you know, like I came to see you just to make sure like, you know, at the time, you know, it's it's almost touching but in retrospect it's like, yeah, I was just, you know, technically I'm checking to make sure this body is fully functional that there's no <laughs> leftover, you know. That there's no residual like problems here. And even though <laughs> I wanted to make yeah, sure well, that I had no more ounce of humanity inside me. Yeah, I'm checking the plumbing, you know, making sure everything works, <laughs> and making sure I don't feel, my, make sure my heart doesn't beat, yeah. you know, when I see you. And uh, and, and I guess, uh, so the, really the only hope for any sort of, like, redemption, or, you know, it might not even be, like, a direct redemption for him. It could might have to be some, like, it would have to be, like, sort of thematic, would be through the child somehow. Because that's also that scene is basically what that scene is important for establishing in 22 is that, you know, he does have a defective body. <laughs> He's got, you know, this little, uh, this other little soul in there that'll probably, that's going to play a major role before the end and already is now in all likelihood. But so, yeah, that's just always something I've sort of assumed would happen on some level. I've never sort of subscribed to the idea that like, you know, there'll be some sort of closure for guts other than like cutting his head off, you know, cause that, you know, that's like, you know, I don't, he's, he's killed a lot of people, you know, he'll, he's, you know, if he ends up killing Griffith, I think it needs to be more than just like, you know, straight up, you know, destroying him for it to have a lot of meaning. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like there's gotta be some sort of, you know, some sort of closure between them beyond, you know, that. And I guess it's yeah. not good. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's actually one of the ones that I was going to say. I'm not going to use this as mine or anything, but I, I would like to see, however it happens, I'm not sure how it would happen, but Griffith acknowledged Guts as his friend at the very, like in his final moment yeah. or something like that, you know? Kind of bringing closure to that whole disparity between the two, the whole series, 
You know, just the two that used to be friends, some kind of acknowledgement of them as friends again, you know. Well, Even I, actually, fleeting. I, I was going to say, rather than friends again, I think it would be pretty cool if at the very end, when he's dying, Griffiths uh, tells Gus, now he's his friend because he's his equal, you know. Like, yeah, not exactly. Before, that's that's, that's, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what he meant. Like, now, yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like the, that. The, even that, you know, it doesn't have to be something where, you know, when I say redemption, like, yeah, that that would do it. Like that would sort of amount to it. You know, that would be like a moment where, you know, like a last moment between them, like, like not, you know, his enemies or his like, you know, he's, you know, where he's femto, but where it's just sort of a part of him, you know, that says like, yeah, all right, you know, exactly, you know, we're we're equals now. Now we're, you know, thanks for being my friend, whatever. I you guess, know, I guess not that cheesy, but. <laughs> even even without being too specific like to me a great moment would be Guts being there in Griffith's final moments and, and whatever Griffith has to say at the end would be a great scene or a great moment regardless oh yeah, yeah. I, would, I would love to know what's, what's <laughs> unless it's like I'm I'm still femto I never liked you <laughs> you know and I'm, I'm, really, I'm really bitter that I was beaten by some loser like you <laughs> <laughs> what a human <laughs> that was funnier than I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Oh man! Well, Azil, that was like just... that was like uh, Symphony of the Night level like voice yeah. acting. <laughs> that was my inspiration. <laughs> yeah. This cannot be. No. <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah. Good. Well, Azil, you just sort of hinted at what you were going to say, and it actually was was another one that I was going to do. Actually, damn it! <laughs> yeah, well, I was just you know, sort of uh, improvising, but uh, yeah. Well, third, the third the third one that you typed was one that I was going to do. You go, you go ahead then. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, among other things, uh, I think uh, Cask and Gus uh, will uh, be reunited, which uh, is kind of obvious, but. I mean, there are still quite a few people who seem to think it's not going to happen. So, yeah, I think Gus and Casca will, uh, I mean, Casca will come back and uh, Gus and her will uh, have their moment. So, yeah. Absolutely. And, I mean, like, to me, it's like the, the people, the, the detractors for this argument, like, their arguments never make any sense to me because the one overbearing argument across all this is if Gus and Casca aren't going to be reunited, what was the purpose in keeping her around this long in the story? Like, why not? If not, then why not to re reunite them? I mean, just to twist the knife just again. A, exactly. Just a, <laughs> well, the other side of the coin is like, oh, well, Berserk's a dark series. Like, just me or torturing the reader. Like, yeah, really? I don't think he's that ridiculous, guys. He's not you that know, writer. Yeah, I, I think uh, the people who say so just, you know, don't understand the series. Honestly, I think they haven't really thought it through because it doesn't make sense on many levels, including, like you said, why keep her around for so long if it's just at the end to turn it again? You know, it's, it's just ridiculous. They're like, oh, yeah, guts. Another ordeal for him to get over with. You know, he can't get over it. The whole point, you know, for fucking 15 volumes now, we have been told and shown that he can't, he couldn't f f possibly get over her death or betrayal or anything. She's the only thing that keeps him back. I mean, every time he uses the armor, he only comes back because of Casca. It, and it's not even, it's not even subtle, you know. I mean, they just show it directly, like it's because yeah. of her. It's her. So yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. But uh, yeah, I guess uh, people think what they want to think. Well, the one that I was going to do was um, Guts and Zod, and actually, you know. 
I we kind of talked back and forth about what's what Zod's ultimate scenario is going to be, but I always see them too as very connected, and and I think the final showdown for Guts and Zod it would it would end up with with Zod being killed finally, and I, I would love to see what he has to say before and after that fight. As far as yeah. like seeing almost the full development of Guts as a character, like across the different developments of his life, Zod's kind of been like a and in, in even as an antagonist, kind of a guiding force in a, in a couple different yeah. ways. Mm. You know? I, so I think I think those two have a very interesting relationship. But I hope it is Guts that kills him and not Skull Knight. Although it wouldn't make a lot of sense if it was Skull Knight because they've you know they've fought to a duel almost every single time. So, yeah, yeah, I, it's always I think it's going to be Guts. Yeah. Yeah. And, and well, you know, the other interesting thing about that is that if there was any, ever a character that sort of like wouldn't mind dying or being killed. You know, in battle, I feel like Zod is it. Like, you know, like if he, you know, if anyone was going to kill him, if it was Guts, he would almost be like grateful. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I agree very much. Actually, yeah. I think, I think it would be a worthy death for him. Yeah, he, yeah. he reminds me of uh, a kind of uh, archetype of character. You know, the old wire who wants to die a noble death. You know, he wants to die in battle and not just, you know, grow old and become weak. And Zod kind of reminds me of that. I feel like his quest for the ultimate strong one and all that, in a way, it was a quest for somebody who could kill him. And I think he'll be glad to be killed by Gus. Really, I mean, not maybe really glad, but I, I think, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think he'll mind. And he might actually be glad in a way, you know, to meet his end and, uh, you know, in the wires way or something like that. I, I think he'll enjoy it. You know, like... Uh, Maybe saying something about not liking to serve or, you know, even though serving, you know, Griffiths was not a bad deal for him. But I, I could see something like that happening. And I definitely think Guts will be the one to end him. And how about this reveal? Zod's body. Like, what he looks like, oh, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. fuck, yeah. Is that, yeah. Zod's body. I almost don't even want to see it, but... Uh, you want to see his face? It's going to be, be Guts' cool. father. Yeah, it's going to turn into Gambino. You know, <laughs> what? <laughs> one thing uh, I always, I mean, one thing I, I, I thought about long ago is what if it's a boy, you know? Oh, like a small it's child? A yeah, a small child. That would be, yeah. yeah. Well, still, wouldn't he be like an apostle? Still like, you know, being a apostle. I, I guess Wild was so fundamentally different from the little old man. But I still yeah. think it would be like an apostle child, <laughs> like still like a bulky kid. <laughs> wow, imagine yeah. I mean, it could be many things, but I'm not going to say woman because that would be too crazy. But what about a boy? A boy would be interesting too. I think. Yeah. But that being said, I, don't know. I think it'll. I think it'll probably. I I imagine him looking kind of similar to guts. That would be like an interesting moment. It'll. Yeah. It'll be. Well, that would, I don't know if that would be too much a rip off of like the Empire Strikes Back when he cuts down the false Vader <laughs> and it's, it's his face no, inside the know. mask. I don't, I don't think that's too far fetched though. I don't think that would be. Yeah. I don't think that would be too bad. I think well, they'll, yeah, I think they'll look similar, and yeah. I think Guts will have a moment where he looks at him and you know sort of recognizes that. Yeah. Um, oh, crap, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, Guts, Guts as being the one to kill Zod. I mean, Zod's it's not like Zod's clinging to life because he wants to live. It's not like he's scrapping for. A, yeah, a, he's not like pathetic or anything not, like wild. Right, yeah. he's he's looking for a worthy fighter, and so you know yeah. it makes sense that uh, a worthy fighter to kill him, he'd be pleased with that. You know. Yeah, he's he's ready to die at any time. It's right. just he can't find anyone you know that's even it's close to the job. To <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got also, a, 
Just got to be setting him free from being Griffith's, you know, lap dog, you know. So that would be, you could just you'd give him a thank you for that. Now go kill Griffith. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> you were saying? Yeah, I was going to say, I've got another cool idea for his reveal after his death is that he could be a, a cripple, you know, amputated, like a warrior who has lost an arm or a leg or something. I think that oh, would be, that would be interesting. Yeah, like he lost an arm and he wished to never lose one again, you know. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, when you said like missing a limb, it was like, oh, that would be really neat, oh, considering yeah. how many times we've seen him reattach his <laughs> limb. Yeah. Well, not not just that, but just like, you know, the whole thing was he he always wanted to fight, and if he was presented with a reality where he wouldn't be able to continue that dream anymore or to fight, what would he do to get to get to that point again? You know. Yeah. Mm. Sacrifice. Yeah. Azil frowns on that. Oh, on what? It sounded like you were mentally, you were verbally frowning. You go, hmm. Ah, no, I was just, you know, no, it was more like, yeah, sure. Okay. Um, <laughs> is there? I had, I had like a couple more, but I mean, they're very brief, <laughs> and I don't want uh, too much on them. So. I've got like some. I've got some other like these are just like these are very sort of murky ideas that I've had <laughs> yeah, like, for a long absolutely. time. Like uh, some of this stuff, it's like it's not even thought. It's not even thoughts really it's almost like just things you sort of imagine in the back of your head like you, i haven't really put them together but it's like just you know how scenarios like how guts would end up fighting like griffith's lieutenants things like yeah. that like i was thinking oh. about this like before you know like grunbeld transformed i like mm-hmm. imagined a fight between them actually where it was kind of interesting where this is now just totally moot, but like, you know, where like Grumbell would like fall into a pit or something. And then like, you know, he would like be like a flying kind of dragon and, you know, actually humongous, like bigger than he is, uh, as we've seen him. And sort of, you know, I imagine neat scenarios like that and other things like with the other lieutenants. But now I sort of wonder if, uh, if Guts is going to fight all of them or if, uh, it's going to be like sort of whatever band he ends up going back with however big it is or you know if it's going to be sort of his lieutenants versus griffith's lieutenants depending on how powerful everyone gets i i think it'll be a large force versus a large force in the end and yeah although all the the lieutenants will be mixed up among them Uh, except for zod of course who has to fight him in a one-on-one duel (laughs) yeah do you think there's just anyone that's gonna i don't know do you think do you see anyone that guts has to fight or you know if it's just it just beyond Zod, or if you know, if it can Honestly, be, if it's okay if Serpico you. fights, you know, someone I else, love, if he's alive. I would love to see him and Groombuild have a rematch. Yeah, I, I'm not so sure it's going to be just a large force versus a large force. Honestly, I'm not ready to predict uh, who is going to go down. I could see Gus not fighting every one of them. Honestly, I have a hard time seeing him, you know, like fight, take them each one by one. Yeah. Honestly, not just you know one after the other, but yeah, I would say he's probably not going to fight them all, but still, I don't know if it's going to just end up being a huge armies versus, you know, one another. While it could also be like an infiltration. Yeah, yeah, that's also would, an, uh, another thing I think about. Might be an yeah. infiltration. I would like that as well. And yeah. anyway, as far as uh, Grand Bell goes, I actually would like to see him fight a real dragon, you know? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be interesting because yeah, we you know the dragon that we see uh, in the the Fantasia episode. That's yeah. actually more of what I was imagining for him. Yeah. In that scenario, except like even like ridiculously huge, like it's something that guts could actually that no one could even fight. <laughs> so it, yeah. 
But yeah, I was imagining that. <laughs> of course, true, true fine boyism would be uh, Guts fighting a red dragon. I would like that. Him killing a red dragon with a dragon slayer and being like, yep, that's what <laughs> it's for, you know? <laughs> yeah. Snap that picture for the cover of volume two. <laughs> or is it three? Three, sorry. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah that, that, would be, that would be good, actually. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> that is that weird... Uh... That weird creature that he sort of cuts up that's like, it's like, that's not the count. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just, uh, yeah. yeah. The, other, the other one I had was, and again, it's a murky idea, and it's one we discussed before, but Shirk and Asidro, I would love to see those two end up together. You and, thief. And, that's right. It's your idea. <laughs> <laughs> I like snatching ideas and make them my own. Hey, 20 years later, that was my idea. Let's <laughs> all take credit for it. <laughs> we, all, we all have authorship. I think I think everyone like sees the the sort of the the foundation there and the foreshadowing if depending on how much they age by the yeah, end yeah. of the series like if it could just sort of like not really go anywhere otherwise wow. or it could just be hinted at near the end but yeah, you know uh, I think it they're a pretty clear match to to me I'm pretty sure even if they don't age much uh, in the end they'll feel for each other I mean even if it's just you know childish and nothing much but I think. I don't think Shuriken will uh, stick to guts, and nor will uh, Farnese. Yeah, yeah, that's something we can discuss in the future, actually. Yeah, was all the different character interactions with guts, not just guts himself, but how the other other characters relate to guts. You know, that'd be a good topic for the future, I think. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So that's it for forecasts, guys. Um, I'm gonna put a close on this section here, and we're gonna go to the next one. Guys, we got some user questions. Thanks for sending them in. Um, we didn't get as many as we normally do. I think people probably asked a lot of questions already. We should be thinking about some newer questions probably to give you guys like a theme or something like that. But anyway, the first question comes in from Grail. Uh, apparently she asked she asked this back on episode one's thread. I'm sorry for not getting to it now. I kind of just stopped <laughs> checking that thread because it was so old at that point. So anyway, her question is, What's the greatest length you've gone to to secure some precious Berserk merchandise? Was it worth it? And then she has a second part, which we'll get to. So we'll first answer that. Um, Azil, I think you probably have the most to say about this. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, the greatest length, I don't know. I mean, I, I regularly buy stuff uh, from Japan through a broker. Like, uh, I pay a guy who buys stuff for me, and I pay him a commission for that. So yeah, that's. Uh, the, I guess that would be the greatest length I, I went through. Uh, was it worth it? Yeah, surely. Even though it's very expensive most of the time. As for the weirdest, weirdest piece of Berserk merch I own, that's uh, that's pretty tough. I, I have a lot of weird Berserk stuff, like you know pins of you know pins of uh, Puck or shit like that. I, I have a T-shirt, a Berserk T-shirt from the the original uh, TV series, like from uh, '97. With uh, the you know skull of buried inside it, uh, it's it's pretty rare and it's pretty cool. I have some stickers, Berserk stickers. Like, I just have you know I I can open my my desk drawer. I have a lot of weird Berserk shit. I, I have um an iPod Nano. Pop-up. Oh really? I didn't know that. 
Yeah, I won it in a contest. I oh, wow. It. And I won, uh, yeah, so there's Berserk written on the back. I have some uh, cell phone straps of Berserk. I have more pins. Shit, I have postcards. I have, you know, I, I can't, you know, I, I can't list everything. It's just, just too much stuff. Well, if you have, go th- if you go through a broker most of the time, what's the, what's the greatest length your broker has gone through to acquire Berserk oh, merchandise? Okay, now, now it's going to be funny. I used to use a guy who was uh, who was yeah he was some kind of student. I don't know exactly what he did, but he took a really cheap rate. Anyway, once he went by he ride, he rode his bicycle like uh, one hour and a half to go buy me some, I don't know, some special edition of a young animal or something like that. Anyway, he, he rode his bicycle for one hour and a half through the rain. <laughs> and and I paid him a bonus of like 50 yen. So that's like, <laughs> that's like five cents. And I, and, and I, I kind of, I mean, you know, I was like, okay, I'll be, I'll be generous. I'll give you that. And I felt, I felt bad, man, because I was like, I was exploiting you so much. I was just being a dick. Is that called? It was something like a paper, like fan or something like that. It was something really like minuscule that you would get from that special. Oh movie. yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it was a yeah, it was a paper fan. Yeah, yeah, man, you remember that? Yeah, I have a paper fan. Hey, actually, it's not even a full fan. It's some kind of a, a, a fan. It's just a paper part which you can clip on a plastic, you know, handle. Yeah. It's just some modern fans you have in Japan. I don't even have the handle. I just you know. It's just worthless, but yeah, I, I've got a lot of worthless basic stuff. I have some <laughs> some old posters, some old young animal, yeah, much of that stuff, yeah. Um, I think for me, I, you know, I don't. I think I may have said this before. I don't own a lot of Berserk merchandise. In fact, I don't think I own any other than the manga and, and its various forms um, and a couple of young animals. I used to have a lot more young animals, but um, probably. I mean, I guess. I guess it's the greatest length I've gone to. I wrote a, I wrote a fanfic for the the forum that ended up being picked as the winner, and through that fanfic competition, I was able to select any one statue I wanted through uh, the person that was hosting the fanfic competition, Lady Charlotte, and I asked for the Lost Children statue, which was at the time was one of the more expensive ones I think at the time because it looked the coolest. You know that's why I wanted it. And I got it, and uh, there was some bickering over that being selected as the prize since it was the most expensive one. Like, well, that, well, that's the one I want. And that's probably it. I don't have it anymore. I ended up selling it because I was fucking broke and needed rent. Uh, so, But it was nice while I had it, I guess. <laughs> it was during the time when Art of War's faces weren't that great, but um, it's a pretty cool statue <laughs> either way. I like it. Are you ever going to like go try to get it back now that you have money? <laughs> like... I don't. Again, I, I really don't care much about berserk merchandise. Like to me, you know, I'm a. I don't. I don't want to call myself a purist, but like, the the furthest it gets from the manga, the less I care about it. Like the manga is the most important thing to me, and reading it and rereading it and talking about it. Everything else is kind of like, eh, whatever, you know. Adaptations, figures, statues, posters, that stuff doesn't really matter to me at all. The closer it comes to Mira's influence, the more I care about it. You know, the less it has to do with him, I don't really care about it. So Yeah. The weirdest piece of Berserk merch, I had a, it's not even that weird, but I, I have a, I, I probably still have it, it's a Puck uh, keychain. So yeah, not very weird. And it faded with time, all the colors faded from it, from being in my pocket. So it's like this nude little man with, with wings. So it doesn't even look like a Puck anymore. That's pretty weird. That is pretty weird. <laughs> yeah. That's it, though. And I now have a Yoda keychain uh, from the Lego store. So that's not really Berserk related, though. <laughs> Griff? 
Uh, let's see. I haven't like really gone to a lot of trouble. I mean, I'll just order things or, you know, the only trouble I would go to is like, it's monetary, <laughs> the amount of trouble. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, we'd just be ordering things offline. Probably the coolest thing was, uh, or is like, I've got this Nosferatu Zod cell from the first, uh, anime. That's like pretty cool. It's that's like, cool. Oh, it's also featured in like the, the anime art book. Oh, Wow. Which is which is kind of cool as well, and uh, yeah, it's it's probably the coolest thing I have. Like just as far as like a piece of like paraphernalia goes, aside from the <laughs> series itself. How big are the cells? I've never actually seen one in person. It's what pretty is- big. It's like it's a. I mean, I might not be giving it due credit, but it's like it's at least one foot by two feet. But it, oh, it really? That big? Yeah, I think it's actually bigger because it was like actually used. It's it's when he's attacking them. Oh. And they, they scroll up the cell. Yeah. Like, you know, fake movement. Or at least not, not even to fake that he's moving, but just, you know, sort of like for dramatic camera movement of it going up and, you know. Yeah. They have I, an I effect know. on top of it, too. They, to they, make pan, it they, like they, they pan up from a still scene. Yeah, they pan up and then they stop on his face for a moment and, like, the camera's slightly vibrating and they've got, like, some... They're using an effect, like, where yeah. they put, like, sort of, like, motion lines or wind on top but it's not on the actual cell it actually just is like a painting of zod that's that's pretty it's quite nice it's not like one of those yeah it's not like a funky cell like i see a lot of cells for sale where it's like you know it's like you know i wouldn't want that (laughs) how'd you you get that did you go through yahoo or ebay or what i actually bought that from a friend like uh who was who the guy who actually got me uh into berserk strangely Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's funny that like I came. I, it's funny that I got to this subject in such a roundabout way. Yeah, but he got me into Berserk in the first place. I still remember his description of Berserk to me, like, and I just imagine in the way I first imagined it, just hearing about it, it was like completely different. What's, what my, was his description? Uh, let's see. He was well, like, was it flattering? <laughs> it was well. He was like being very. Uh, like he was tell you know it's uh, it was just weird stuff when you hear about it like oh this guy's best friend becomes like a demon <laughs> you know and everything so in my head I'm obviously not imagining like femto yeah you know like stuff like that and uh, stuff about the black swordsman that I didn't get you know he met he described him as like this black you know sort of knight type figure and I was imagining you know like someone in black armor like but you couldn't see his face kind of actually <laughs> what it looks like now yeah <laughs> but like at the time it was you know way off. And, you know, the oversized sword. And there was some other description he gave me that was really violent, like, that doesn't... I can't think of what it's what it actually relates to in the series. Mm. About, you know, someone being stabbed... Someone being run through with something and, like, pulling it out of themselves and mm. still being alive. And, yeah, I don't know. But at the time, and it sounded, you know, when he was describing it to me, like, back in high school, you know, I was like, oh, well, that's, uh, that's pretty intense, you know. I've got to check that out, <laughs> sort of a thing. Yeah. Little, little did I know... <laughs> the turn my life would be taking. Is this dude still uh, in Berserk? Uh, probably not. I think he's yeah. moved on. Like he's, uh, yeah. Actually, <laughs> I, sim- I similarly encountered someone that liked Berserk more than I did when I first started the series. Like this guy, it's, it's, this guy was like a really super super nerd. I was at a convention, the only convention I ever went to, and the guy had said Berserk. I asked him what his favorite series was. He said Berserk, and I was like, Berserk? Because I've only seen like the first episode or something. Good episode, but best series of all time? I'm like, even better than Evangelion? Really? I mean, really? You know? <laughs> 
And the dude is like, yeah, really, it's really good. You should read the comic as well. I'm like, ah, I don't know, man. You know, <laughs> looking back, I was probably a big moron to him. If course, you have to but, read the comic, how good yeah, can it what's be? What's the point? It's not even animated. Ugh. So yeah. Um, and yeah, what? It, oh yeah, yeah. You got you bought that from that guy. That's how you got the sell. He said. Yeah, I just bought it. You know, from him, like at his house. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, he, he actually had quite a few. He had like a sell dealer. Huh. He had, yeah, he had like some guy he knew that like yeah, and the, he was also you know one thing he was in he was going to buy a cell from that from the, his dealer. It was the cell of Zod holding the two uh, hawks on his sword mm. in his human form. That yeah. would have been that was another like big one. That would have been really cool. But the guy ended up keeping it because he didn't want to get rid of that one actually, which is probably a good call. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's fu- it's a funny art. Or it's a funny medium to collect cells because like. Aren't they priced based on like basically what they think people will pay for them? Because they're all yeah, basically I, worth the same thing. You know, they're already well, used. On just, uh, on the board, someone had that thread about you know like sells you know to yeah. sell, and you know I mentioned mine, and he like asked me if I wanted to sell it, and I just told him like you know not really. I'm I'm actually sort of just curious like what value anyone would put on it. Yeah, well, it's completely so, arbitrary with value. Yeah. It's you know it's like anything like whoever it's however much people will pay for. I think it. I think people price. have like a rating on these. Like that's how I that's why I came up with the term I used earlier, like an A cell. That means it's like you know, like it was one that was prominently featured and so it was drawn very well because it's supposed to sort of like you know be a main focus of a scene as opposed to like other cells that yeah. are like you know they're called, just they're called they're called keyframes in animation. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so it was, it was, yeah, it was like that. I guess they rate them that way. Like this is, you know, it's a keyframe or an A cell yeah. or whatever. Cool. Um, next question comes from Ryoma, and he says he asks, "Which games can you consider as the hardest you've ever played?" Real quickly for me, it's the original Ninja Gaiden on NES. Like no, no, no question. I mean, it's also one of my favorite games. Like anyone playing that from start to finish is basically a god. I mean. The, the last level of that game is absurd. Like, you die once. You know, it's got three different acts, and if you die at any time, you get sent to the very, 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 very beginning, which is like, you know, hours of your life gone. <laughs> I've beaten it with save states, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the kind of game where you almost have to employ save states to beat it unless you're really incredible. So, that's fine. I can't imagine anything harder than that, to be honest. People say Dark Souls is really hard, but uh, I, nah, I don't... It's nah, not... It's- to no, me, that no. requires like more patience than it is like yeah. actual. Like, no, skill. Dark Souls is not comparable. Dark Souls is more like Infinite Space, uh, which is you just have to understand how it works, and it, but it's not really difficult. Right. So, Azil, what's your hardest game? Well, no, I don't. I guess I would say Castlevania, you know, the original, because it's it's pretty, you know when you get to the later levels, it's you know infuriatingly hard. And actually, I've never finished that particular game because it just you know it just annoyed me. So yeah, but uh, yeah, it probably would have to say Castlevania. Also, Ninja Gaiden was yeah was also fucking hard. I also didn't finish it. And I guess if I had to nominate a third, it would be Ghosts and Goblins. Uh, yeah. yeah. Those three are are really fucking uh, difficult games, and uh, yeah. That what do you it. what do you you know the the issue of challenging games comes up a lot these days because games are getting a little more watered down. What do, what do you think the mindset was at the time when people were developing those games, and whether or not they knew they were coming to come to, to home consoles? Like I I understand the idea of developing a game that's difficult if it's going to be a coin op, you know, because you want to have yeah. throwing in quarters. I understand that. But if it's ported to console, what's the point of making a game like obnoxiously hard? Is it just 
to get a sense of achievement, basically, you know? Like you, I think when, back in the day, people, they did, I, don't, I think they just didn't know what they were doing, necessarily. Like, they didn't know how hard they were making it. Oh, uh, yeah. In a sense, <laughs> like, cause there was there was no basis for comparison. Like, wow, this is really, really hard. It was yeah. just like, you know, we're, we're making the game, we're making well, it, you know, challenging. There's also the fact the games were very short. So in order for them to last a while, you had to learn them by heart, you know? Until right. you were just a fucking robot. Yeah, it's it was really just a different mentality. I feel like that it's like it's really alien today. Even when games come out today and they're promoted as like, oh, this is so hard, you know, it's they they don't compare still to those games. Yeah, just I just the whole man. Like I, I mentioned Ninja Gaiden, like there, I, I had a real sense. Of, I knew every single enemy placement on the first couple acts of that game. Like you know, I knew exactly when to attack, and I could. It was like a delicate, like choreo. I was a choreographed experience getting through those levels. Like you knew exactly when to jump. Along with the beat of the music, along with like all the enemy placements, you know, and games today don't do that. And I don't mean that I wish games were harder, but I, you kind of had to know everything about the game in order to get through it. And I, I miss that yeah. stuff, you know. Yeah. Well, now you know everything from the tutorial that holds your hand from the, uh, the very start of the game and tells you what to do next. Yeah. Mm. Well, anyway, the hardest game for me to get through was. Final Fantasy VII, and that's because you know I had to emotionally get you know just, just <laughs> to find the strength to go on after <laughs> you know it was I don't I don't know if I really made it I mean I'm I've never been the same anyway so that's after Aerith Aerith <laughs> died yeah, yeah. yeah I could I could barely go on no I don't know I don't I don't really think of them that way like is I'm trying to think of like like. The biggest, ch- like, as far as modern game that I've taken, like, on the challenge, because I don't really, I just think of those old games as that's the way they are. Yeah. I don't really, like, think of them as, like, this is, like, much harder. Than- Even, like, Ninja Gaiden, I just sort of think of it, like, you know, yeah, it's that way. But, like, of the modern games that talk about their harder difficulties, I guess, like, the Metal Gear games on, like, European Extreme and all that, I've beaten, like, Metal Gear Solid 3 that way. And, oh, wow. I don't know. MGS 2. Like that was it's ridiculously hard on European Extreme. It's like the you could. I tag teamed Extreme with one of my roommates at the time, Justin. Um, I we beat that together on Extreme, but not. Yeah, I don't know, what is European me. Extreme? Oh, European Extreme is like, <laughs> it's it's even harder than Extreme, is to yeah, put it plainly. Hardcore man. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was it was like you know, it was like an extreme mode that was like put in the European version. And uh, it's also in like substance or so. Uh, so or, what's the main difference? What separates Europe? It's just it's just it, they just you know make everything even harder. You die okay. easier. Also, like I think you get automatic game over if you if you get seen. You can't okay. even you basically can't even engage in combat unless it's like a boss fight or a designated like thing where you have to fight. I'm pretty and, sure that's what extreme was. If you got seen, it went you know game over. There, there were various other, like, I can't remember exactly, yeah. just other things to make it even more difficult. I mean, you basically, it's probably, you probably can't really tell the difference very much with Extreme, but, like, one bullet will basically kill you. Oh, really? It's probably <laughs> the same, yeah. Okay. Um, next question comes from Joe Chip. He asks, are you guys going to introduce something like a donate button or purchasable SKNet item so that we can help you keeping up the site? Uh, you know, I've we already Go ahead. We already you know, created a premium version a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, for those that missed it, we launched it like in April of 2010 or so. You can uh, donate $500,000. I can't remember how much it was for uh, a premium account. 
Ah, well, I'm looking at it. I don't think it was that much. It was just, yeah, $2 a month as a launch deal. Mm. You had such uh, stuff such as the ability to rate posts, a maximum of 100 posts per day, broadcasts. What the fuck? Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to read everything. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I have, that's sort of like a half joke. I've I've never given it serious consideration because... You know, I, I don't really like sites where they they have like a paywall to get forget you to get content. I never wanted to make that kind of site. That's that's the that's the the found the foundation reason why not do other unto reason, others. Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to make a make it a site where people feel comfortable being. Not like you have to pay to be a member. I mean, that's a little absurd to me. But beyond that, I mean, I wouldn't want to profit off of you know Mira's creation. All we're doing is talking about Mira's creation. I wouldn't want to gain money from that. It was just a fun thing, you know. But, um, you know, and it doesn't cost too much to maintain. You know, the actual, like, physical bills that this site incurs is, is nothing compared to the time that all the admins spend in maintaining it and making sure it has a good, good content. Like, that's, what's re- that's the real cost, and that's not – it can't really be compensated except for some bullshit number. I mean, it would, it would, yeah. cost, it would cost thousands and thousands of dollars in order to pay us for the time. That we spend doing this stuff, you know, during our work days, ignoring our family and our work responsibilities to, you know, post information on the newest episode, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. It can't be compensated rationally, so we're just, we're just not going to do it, so. Well, I guess all the time I've spent on net instead of, you know, working on my career. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys could send me, like, I don't know, $50,000. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, as a one, t- uh, you know, once a year thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they, don't get me wrong. We have considered other things. Like me and Azil constantly joke about, like if if one of us makes it really big, which is never going to happen. I mean, it might happen. <laughs> uh, I would totally hire Azil or Griff or both as like you know, one hundred percent Berserk scholars, and they could drop their day jobs. <laughs> and they could they could work on Berserk related studies and stuff all day, every day, you know, forever. Oh, I've, man. I've even like I've even laid out like joking like like tasks I would have for Azil. Like you would translate, you would look up every single Japanese meaning of every major artifact in Berserk and look up all the different meanings it can have and kanji and things like that. Things that would take like months to do. Yeah, why not? Yeah, that'd be fun. Oh yeah, my, my first order of business was is to pay for Azil to learn Japanese fluently. That would be the first task, <laughs> like slave labor, basically at that point. So yeah. Well, I wouldn't mind. Sure, sure. It would be fun. But yeah, it's not really possible. Yeah. So I guess we'll transition to the next section, which is video games and movies. So I've been playing uh, a bunch of things actually. I mean, I don't I don't have a lot of free time right now, but the time I do have, uh, usually spent late, late, late at night playing games. Uh, one game that's come out on Steam recently is called Legend of Grimrock, which is an old school first person dungeon RPG where you move tile by tile by tile, like step by step by step, like in a grid pattern throughout this big dungeon and it's old school in the sense that uh, there's a lot of puzzles involved and, and the actual combat is very simple uh, everyone everyone has enjoyed old school RPGs from the PC stuff is really enjoying it I think it's fun 
Uh, yeah, you, you kind of have to know what you're getting into, though. It's not something I'd recommend to everybody. Like, if if, if slow paced dungeon crawling with like, you know, minimal or minimal story sounds fun to you, like you know, maybe you yeah. like it. <laughs> Truly, is old school. At least that's what it's in. Uh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, there are potions. But the only way, the only way you can really heal is to lock yourself in a room with a gate and then hit the snooze button, like the sleep button. And your characters go to sleep, and your your health slowly builds back up. It's only you know, hours in the game are passing by and things like that. And it's very punishing too. Like if you're dead, you're pretty much dead unless you find like a healing crystal, which are rare. Anyway, it's fun. Um, I've also been playing Diablo three. With some of the actually, I ran into a Groovy Metal Fist on accident. I was gonna arrange to play a game with Nomad, and I, I put my battle Battlenet's name in the thread. And I, I guess Groovy Metal had added me as his friend, and I assumed it was Nomad. So I'm playing with this dude, you know, saying stuff as if it's Nomad, and it turns out it's Groovy Metal Fist. But me and him played through most of Act One. It's fun. I, I think every Diablo fan should give it a chance this weekend, or actually, by the time this post, it'll probably be over. But it has been free this weekend. Just to give it a shot, I don't know. I've actually already pre-ordered the game, so I can't really say much. But you know, it's more it's more Diablo. It looks a little more polished. That's about it. Yeah, I played it for actually about a I don't know 15 minutes before getting on here. Oh, cool. And yeah, it was you know yeah it felt like more the same. It felt yeah just clicking and hitting and yeah I liked the whole. I don't know. It was, all, it was, yeah, more of the same. It felt like Diablo 2 and, like, you know, you're on top of, I guess, New Tristram. And then you go immediately, I went to the old, you know, relics or whatever it was of the old Tristram and go there. And, yeah, it doesn't look like it's really going to function on my computer properly. I couldn't actually play, like, the single player game, but I was able to get, like, uh, join a multiplayer group. That's weird. And run around. Yeah, I don't know what was going on there, but, yeah, it just, it looked interesting. Let me, let me guess. You picked a barbarian. Yeah. Yep. Barbie the Barbarian. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yep. I've played, uh, I actually have not played Barbarian yet. I've played Monk, Wizard, uh, Demon Hunter. I've played almost everyone but the Barbarian because that's the class I'm going to play the game as. I don't want to experience that yet. You know, I want to uh, save who, that. Who was your favorite so far? Me? Oh, yeah. What class? Um, I, I like the Wizard a lot. Uh, a lot of people don't because you kind of have to play it in a different way than you might expect. You obviously you can't really charge into battle. I mean, it's it's obvious she's a glass cannon, but most of her abilities are close range things. So you kind of have to get in there. It's it's kind of uh, weird. So you kind of have to run in, do your close encounters, and run around and strafe around people. So okay, because I I, I haven't played a game because I've been too busy playing a Pandora store. But uh, I I wanted to play a wizard uh, when I when I get a game. So they have they have a lot of different abilities for the wizard. That's what's cool about it. Is you, you can kind of play in a lot of different ways. Whereas a lot of the other classes, you're you're mostly relying on your basic melee or an enhanced melee attack. Whereas the wizard has many different options for how to attack the enemies. Yeah, that's what it seemed to me. That's why I liked it. Yeah. Um, that's it for me. Um, Griff has been playing Diablo. Griff, or, or as he always said, he's playing Pandora's Tower, which is uh, who makes that? Who's designing that? Uh, it's a studio called uh, Gambarian, and it's mm. uh, published by Nintendo. So yeah, it's a it's a game for the Wii, mm. which uh, came out in uh, Europe. Uh, I don't know a week ago or two, and uh, yeah, I've been playing it uh, most of the time. Actually, I haven't played anything else. I haven't even replayed you know Mass Effect or anything because I, I've been caught up in that game. It's uh, an action RPG, I guess, mm. but mostly action. It's all dungeons, so the gameplay is all about the dungeons. There are, you know, 12 dungeons uh, to go through. 
And um, I don't know, it's kind of a mix between uh, Zelda and I guess a 3D Castlevania in terms of gameplay. Hmm. Uh, it's, it's played with the Wiimote. It's pretty cool. You have to... There's a side of the game where you take care of your girlfriend. You talk to her. You give her gifts. You know, you have to build your relationship. So basically, you have conversations where she does most of the talking and you, you show off with uh, presents. So it's just like in real life. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, as a, pretend as a, like you're listening, or you know. Yeah, much, yeah. that's about it. There's a merchant where you can purchase, sell stuff, and um, combine items, upgrade your weapons. You have an inventory to to check, but most of the time it's just fighting in the towers, and uh, you know unlocking you know the gates to the bosses, uh, fighting the bosses. It's very the design is simple. It's um, kind of old school. You know, like back in the day, but it's, it's very nice, and I, mm. I like it a lot. I'm almost at the end. I mean, I'm just in front of the last boss. So, mm. but yeah, I really like the game. And honestly, uh, if uh, you have a Wii and uh, you want to invest in it, like you, you don't want to feel like you've bought it for nothing, I recommend uh, buying the game. It's it's pretty good. Yeah, right now it doesn't have a North American release date, but I, I think it'll eventually come here one way or the other. Uh, I'm not sure how, but I'm sure someone will pick it up. Uh, they did for. Xenoblade, at least, after all that petition stuff. Actually, Xenoblade, in case no one knows, the Operation Rainfall, which was a series of petitions to bring over uh, Japanese games uh, over to America for Wii, uh, I think Pandora's Tower was among the many that were involved in Operation Rainfall. So hopefully it'll get some clout and come over here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think the three of them were um, scheduled for release or something in the USA. Or at least there was a deal, or Nintendo talked about it. I, I don't remember, but... yeah. Yeah, I haven't cranked up my Wii since Skyward Sword, so I have a couple of games sitting, gathering dust over there. I, I yet to finish Kirby's uh, Epic Yarn. It's still sitting over there, ready to be finished. Yeah. I'll pretty much buy any first-party Nintendo title, and maybe I'll finish it, maybe I won't. Speaking of which, um, Azil, we hadn't talked about this yet, but did you see the new Super Mario Bros. 2 pictures yet? Uh, Yeah, for... Yeah, 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 I for saw 3DS? It. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I was, uh, I mean, I really, really loved um, Super Mario 3D Land, but yeah. I, I didn't buy a new Super Mario Brothers for the Wii. Yeah. Because it didn't seem very interesting to me. And I'm also not very excited about that game. I, I don't know what it will be like, but so, so far, I don't think I'm going to buy it. I, I don't know. I'll what probably you- get it, but I'm not that excited about it. I, as you, you've probably heard me more than anybody rant about how much I hated new Super Mario Brothers, both on the DS and on the Wii, because of the level of design is extremely boring. And like a five-year-old, literally a five-year-old can play through the game, actually, because I let my uh, little cousins play through that game. I brought it over to them. That being being said, I finished uh, the original Super Mario Brothers uh, at six years old, so I guess (laughs) that doesn't mean much. But... Yeah, you know the, the one for the for the Nintendo DS, uh, the new Super Mario Brothers. I I didn't I didn't mind it. I think I it was it. It, it was not uh, exceptional, but uh, it was alright. The one for the Wii I didn't buy, yeah. but yeah, the one for the DS I I didn't mind. But I'm still not going to buy it. So sure. I mean, probably not unless it gets good reviews. It's going to get good reviews. It's also going to make 3DS like a number one seller again. I mean, remember what. New SMB did for the DS. It pretty much put the DS on the map as far as sales are concerned. It, it solidified the DS. Yeah. After, after 2005, 
with the launch of the DS Lite. I think that was what the anchor was, the new, new SMB. And after that game was released, it and Mario Kart were the top sellers in that console for forever and ever. Probably still are. So, yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, what else? What else? Actually, you know, it's wasn't on the podcast notes. I know we're kind of running low, but I wanted to talk real briefly about Kickstarters. Um, anybody that's been following video game news the past couple of weeks has probably heard about all these different projects that are coming out through Kickstarters. Um, Double Fine had the most success recently. They had they had a project goal for their game, which was four hundred thousand dollars, and they ended up almost going almost ten times that amount. They ended up getting three point three million dollars. Which is huge, um, but you know, three point three million in the scope of a game isn't that much money overall. It's, it's quite a bit more than they anticipated. But what they're doing is they're they're making an adventure game, which is consider, yeah. considered a long dead genre because of sales and people have generally moved on from the genre. But obviously, it's a wellspring of support to make that happen. But what I want to talk about, which is interesting, is ever since Double Fine's success. Other people have been coming out of the woodwork to make their own Kickstarter projects, and the ones that have been successful have been ones that have like a proven formula or a callback to nostalgia. Like, for example, Wasteland 2 is another one uh, made by the people that designed uh, Wasteland, which is the biggest inspiration for Fallout. I think it's the same team as Fallout, actually, with Wasteland. I could be wrong about that. But they reassembled the dream team for Wasteland 2, and they also more than met their Kickstarter goal like by three or, three or fourfold. I can't remember. And, you know, the another one, Shadowrun, had the same thing. So basically, there's three, there's three t- top-tier projects. But what they are is they're not proposing new games. They're proposing a return to the old type of games, the kind of games you remember from the 80s and the early 90s and things like that. What they're proposing is not a new concept. And that's what I find interesting because there are other projects that are proposed and they don't meet their goals or they just barely scrape by their goals but because they're unproven formulas. And so... What do you think that says about the future of game development if people are paying so much attention to Kickstarter, but the only projects that make it are the ones that are callbacks? You know, that, that worries me, honestly. Well, no, I think uh, nostalgia plays a big role here. I mean, nobody wants to fund, uh, you know, old school games like that because uh, they don't believe there's a, there is a strong audience for it. But, you know, I guess there is a strong audience for it and yeah. people just, just proved it. So... As far as indie development goes, I think, you know, people still have some chance, you know, as we can see, there are some pretty good indie games being released on the Xbox Live and Steam and such. But yeah, for these kind of games, one you also forgot to mention is, uh, I think, the creator of Gabriel Knight, you know, uh, which was also an adventure game, which is, you know, doing a Kickstarter to make a new game. I didn't know so, that. Yeah, so it's just, uh, yeah, the same thing as uh, Double Fine, you know, Double Fine, I don't know how it's pronounced. Yeah, Double Fine. Yeah, a- anyway, it's um, it's the same kind of stuff, same kind of deal, and probably inspired by them. So, yeah, I, I think it's a good thing, honestly. I, I like sure. it. These old games, these old adventure games, don't require nearly as much money as uh, modern games to create. So, if people like them enough that they'll fund them, then good. And I'm yeah. not worried. I'm not worried about the future. Okay. Well, I was I was kind of looking around. Um, you may or may not know the name, but this, this guy named Ryan Payton. He's a relatively new game developer. Um, he worked on Metal Gear Solid Four. Before that, he was nobody. He was like a translator. I and mean, he worked in Konami, and he he kind of wormed his way into working along with Kojima for Metal Gear Solid Four. Then he did Portable Ops, and then after quitting Konami, 
He was instantly hired by Microsoft to be director for Halo 4. So this guy's got a really crazy career in a, in a short amount of time. But he let he left the Halo 4 directorship like, kind of like mid-process. You know, that game's coming out later this year. But he, he left last year sometime. He quit saying he wanted to fund his own company and do his own thing. And what happened is he made his own company called uh, uh, Camouflage, and he's going to make iOS games. And his first game is going to be called Republic. And it's this 1984-inspired uh, survival horror type thing. It's got a Kickstarter up right now. And it sounds really cool, right? It's a new concept, but the Kickstarter goal is like 500000 I think he's like 100000 right now, and he only has 19 days left. So... Looks like he's not going to make his goal, even though it's a very you know daring premise. But it's not what people expect. You know, people want this callback to nostalgia. It's an unproven formula, so it looks like he's not going to make the goal. That being said, uh, you said five hundred dollars for an iOS game. Five hundred. So five hundred thousand dollars is the goal for the Kickstarter. Uh, to, yeah, to, buy, but, to buy to buy uh, in, it's like um, ten dollars or something like that. I think. Yeah, but you know, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't pay for an iOS game. I mean, not just because I don't have an i device, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's worth it. I think, yeah, the, the guy, he's misguided. Well, he's the whole the whole premise of the game is that, you know, he he doesn't he he hasn't liked the quality of iOS games either. That's why his idea is he wants to make one that's worth playing. You know, one that actually can be said, this is a decent game, even though it's on this platform. You know, the whole yeah. idea is to break this, the structure of what's happened before. The problem is, uh, I might be interested in his game, but if it came out for Steam or for something with controls, you know, honestly, I, I don't find uh, phone games to be very interesting. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I, w- I wouldn't pay a Kickstarter for that. You know, that's very simple. So, I don't know, maybe other people think differently, but at least that's how I think. So... To me, there's not a lot of value in doing a Kickstarter for an iOS game when there's 10,000 coming out every day, and you know what's the point of that? Right. I wanted to, I want to keep talking about this, but Griff, you have to go. I think he just left. No, yeah, I got a, I got a split. Okay. Well, see you later, Griff. Thanks for coming, man. See, see ya, man. No problem. Bye. Well, just to close out this Kickstarter stuff real quick regarding portable games, I mean. There's this, there's this quote that David Lynch has. I'm sure you've seen it, where he's talking about watching a movie on your cell phone. Yeah. And, and he's saying, like, watching a movie on your cell phone, it's not experiencing the movie the way it's meant to be experienced. You'll think you've experienced the game, but you've been cheated because obviously, you know, a small three and a half inch screen was not meant to convey or, or give the same, you know, immersion into the medium, you know. And yeah. I, I totally get that, but I, I think there's still probably opportunity for smaller scale games to, to make sense on a portable format. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I love the portable format, and that's why I have a 3DS, and uh, yeah. I, I, I love uh, handheld uh, you know, consoles, but, you know, phone games, to me, the problem is the controllers, and for some games, it's not a problem, like Plant vs. Zombie, uh, it works very well on a cell phone, and there are a few games which uh, work well like that, but I think for most games, it's not the case, and... I don't think the medium is very interesting. I mean, I, I don't think that those devices with just touchscreens and no other way of, to, of input are very interesting for video game uh, as, a, as a medium. So. Yeah. I mean, I, to me, as long as it's designed from the ground up to be touchscreen interactive, as long as the whole interface is like that, then I don't have a problem with it. The trouble was when they try to shoehorn controls in to fit a pre-existing control scheme, like, you know, the fake D-pad, the virtual, those are just yeah. awful. Those are the yeah, worst. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, should yeah. not even exist. 
I mean, for tower defense, for example, it's not a big deal. Yeah, I mean, tower defense games are they're good on uh, on cell phones, but uh, yeah, not not a lot of games aren't don't fit the format to me. Yeah. So, but yeah, Kickstarter is pretty cool, and uh, I don't know, I like I like the concept of Kickstarter a lot in general. I mean, mm-hmm. I I told you I've even posted about it, but I, I've been very tempted by the Pebble, you know, the the watch, the e-paper watch. Oh right, Kickstarter. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think it might be the most successful Kickstarter project ever created. Like I don't know by how much it it's exceeded its uh, target, but it's ridiculous. It's it's really I'm checking it right now actually, but it's really uh, yeah. Know, the origin- at, at the time, I think Double Fines was the first one to break that to make that much money. I think, but this one maybe has more now. Yeah, I, I mean, let me tell you, the original sure. goal was a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Currently, it's at six millions. Oh wow! And it's still got twenty six days to go. Like it's only it didn't it started less than a week ago. That's it's crazy. Just, yeah, it's just ridiculous because it's it's uh, it's honestly very cool. It's like the best, the best uh, you know uh, multimedia watch or whatever you want to call it uh, out there so far. And it's yeah, it's really it's really great. So so isn't the idea with that thing? I, I kind of glanced through and watched the video, and isn't it basically? You know, you get you have to get your phone out to interact with it. This way, you can like look at your watch and interact with certain basic functions of the of it. Is that the idea? Yeah, like the watch uh, allows you to connect to your phone. Like you can get uh, text messages on it and other stuff right. like that. You can, uh, and it's basically it's got a lot of applications on it. Like you can get apps specifically for the phone, and the watch is connected to the phone, of course, which is either iPhone or Android. And I guess they'll release later on other dev kits for other types of uh, phone operating systems. Yeah. But anyway, you can do a lot of stuff with it. Uh, and uh, since it's uh, the screen is e-paper, uh, it's I'd say it got uh, it's got a lot of you know battery time, battery life, so it can yeah. last a week on a charge, which is a lot more than uh, the watches which use uh, LCD screens. I didn't know so, it was e-paper. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's what's cool about it. And uh, yeah, it's it's pretty nice. You can change the watch face and uh, all that stuff, and it's got a lot of. Uh, a lot of uh, functionality is built in, so it's really pretty cool. And these guys built uh, other watches before, watches like that, so they know what they're doing. Huh? Yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty good. It connects to the phone uh, via Bluetooth. So, you know, most Kickstarters actually, I, I actually backed the Republic game I was talking about earlier. I already backed that because I was interested in the 1984. You say that word, I'm interested. But the thing is, you know, I back some of these projects. You know, kind of the half knowledge that it might not be approved. <laughs> Whereas this one, it's so far beyond the goal. You put down money, you're paying for it. Basically, is the way it yeah. works. You know? Yeah, so. yeah. And I'm actually waiting before I I, I pay for it. But yeah, I, I want to know how they evolve the watch because at this point, I mean they've gotten sixty times more than what they wanted. So yeah, I, I'm half expected uh, them to raise the functionalities and what they are going to put in it. Yeah. So. I, I'm just kind of waiting for it. I, I want to know what they'll do with it, but yeah, I'm very tempted. I'm very tempted by it. And yeah, at this point, I mean, uh, yeah, you, you're just paying for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, $100 is not much to ask either, honestly. For what that's doing, that seems yeah. like a, quite a bit of value, honestly. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And you know, the first backers, it was uh, just, you know, $99. Now yeah. it's uh, $115. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just I noticed that. Yeah, I'm probably going to get one now. <laughs> kind of sold yeah. me on it. 
I mean, it's just it's, it's so cheap. And I mean, why, why not? And it, it, yeah. does a, it does a lot of cool stuff. And so since I have an automatic watch, you know, my Berserk watch, which I had for a while, so <laughs> I, I figure, well, why not get a, a digital watch, you know, yeah. just for a little variety. Awesome. Well, I'll put the link to that in the thread in case anyone doesn't see it. But you can just Google the Pebble uh, Kickstarter. You probably find it within one search. So uh, you just type Pebble and hit "I'm lucky" and uh, "I'm feeling lucky," and you, you'll get to it. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Eventually. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just uh, it's really the most popular Kickstarter right now, and I, and I think it's uh, it's going to change the way people think about Kickstarter because it's really a huge success. I think yeah. it's, by far it's been their biggest success. Yeah, I've I've never seen anything hit almost six million, especially with the the wow. It was posted on, well, I mean they they only have they're only like they last like thirty two days I think it is. So it's been like less than a week it looks like. It's yeah, like, yeah, wow. I, I told you less than a week. It's still a yeah. month. To, uh, That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I think it, it would have been uh, it will hit uh, ten millions before it's over easily. Man, it's a whole company. Yeah, awesome. Well, that's gonna do it for the show. Um, Thanks for coming out, guys. Well, Azil. <laughs> and we'll be we'll be back with two weeks. Hopefully, we'll have more berserk stuff to talk about. Hopefully, we'll have some news about a new episode. We'll see. But thanks again, guys. See ya. Bye. I, I didn't plan anything, so I have nothing to say. I've, I, well, I just have like a few things in mind. I mean, so uh, like that I always have in mind that I sort of just I, I didn't try to sort of come up with any like real contrivance. I just sort of think, what do I just sort of like assume is going to happen? Yeah, and that's fine. Yeah. And it's, it's a good starting yeah. point. It was the idea is we'll probably one of us will probably say something controversial, and then we'll go off from that. That's the whole idea. It's just kind of like. Uh, idea that could launch into other discussions. I've already actually I've already brought mine up like a couple of times. So okay. does we'll yours just... involve guts and Griffith? Yes. Damn it. Okay, I'll go to my. I have Plan B. Uh. And I'm gonna I'm gonna discuss like the likely because it's like there's been you know I used to think of this more that you know than I do now actually yeah. like it seems it's not as it's a little murkier these days the water, but uh, yeah we'll get into it. it'll be interesting. Also I the, a new vagabond. Uh, came out and you'd be interested to see it uh wally i know you said you were going to stick to like volumes yeah i actually i just read it actually right before we oh, started you, the show I, yeah, broke so my, did I. I broke my pact <laughs> no i was i was so excited though it's like wow it because i i as it dawned on me before it was revealed you know who the kid was and where it was yeah. going yeah and yeah just to see him put up the put up that uh as uh as my girlfriend said, uh, you know, I like his ponytail. <laughs> top knot, yeah. Yeah. I wonder how far they'll take that, if they'll actually do it like the the, the novel did it. And Yeah, my worry know. is that it's just going to be like for this and like the next episode, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll encounter Iori like, oh, well, see you, man. Like, thanks well, for the you know meal. what? They, you know, technically they do need a major time jump, like, yeah, to get right. to the duel. So I really, that, as far as that chapter is concerned, what I really liked was, like, Musashi realizing, you know, that there's more to gardening than just, you know, or, or planting and farming than just that. Like him seeing the the, the patterns of, you know, a storm can come in and, and ruin even the best laid plans, you know. Yeah. Uh, it'll, I think it'll be interesting for him to grow like that. I always thought that was a cool part of the novel. Yeah. Him, him seeing, you know, 
the way of the sword and other things in life. Really but neat. also, yeah, like, but also, like, sort of his perseverance too. Like, he's plowing this, you know, like, as the other farm is from this worthless land, right? That he's gonna somehow make it work. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. I also, I also like the introduction of the of Iori, or however you pronounce it. Yeah, my, that's uh, right, Iori. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that was a good intro, just like with the body, and you know, you don't know it's a dead body at first, so that was. Uh, I also liked how Musashi picked him up, <laughs> you know, by the hand. That was that was just cute. Yeah. yeah. It was like no sword except you. You actually picked. <laughs> you actually grabbed the swordsman. <laughs> the same thing. So, um, do we have a timeline now for the end of Vagabond, or still not? No, uh, no, well, no, like set timetable. But I don't know. It, like with what? It's the same thing with uh, with this guy. <laughs> I never know when he's gonna end something. I feel like he's just not good at ending things. Like because he just I'm, keeps you know introduce. Like even now, he introduced a new story element that could go on, but then exactly. he could use it to like be a time jump to get to the ending. So I don't know. Well, I was gonna say if you'd asked me like a couple weeks back. I would say, and I've been saying forever, a long time, that once he comes back after the break, he probably has an idea for how he wants to end the series. Meaning, from here on is the path to the end of the series. So I would guess like a year or two at max. But I don't know, you know. And you know what? I, I also don't think, I think even after he ends it, he might come back to it at some point, like years down the road. I, w- I would not be that surprised given that he already has written the ending to the series in an art show. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> It's just a weird, weird way that he's approached the past three years of the series. It's just weird, and it's weird how it's, like, affected him, too. Like, yeah. you know, how he, like, feels bad, like, you know, as if he's, like, Musashi and responsible for these deaths of characters. that He's, dra- he's drawn so much death, you right. know, in his life. Well, I guess it kind of makes sense, considering, you know, he's not he wasn't known for this work before. You mean this work, you mean a historical novel? Well, I mean, just something with so much, you know, it's not like he's, uh, like, Miura, where, you know, he's always been drawing, sort of, you know, there's always, even his science fiction work, you know, there's violence, you know, and gore. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're, I see what you mean. Right. You know, I'm not, I don't think a lot of people were getting, you know, like, <laughs> cut in half and slam dunk, <laughs> probably. Nope. Only the only one time with a monster yeah. dunk. <laughs> Monsters dunk, you know, the ball yeah. blows the guy, the defender's head up when it goes through the net, <laughs> like, crushes it. Yeah. 